This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah! Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah! But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, buttheads. My kids are upstairs watching Home Alone. I'm supposed to be editing next week's episode, but I decided that I would read a holiday-themed story to you all instead. Sort of a, a present to me because I miss reading and I love reading, and a present to you because I really hope you enjoy this story. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait until 2021. This is called The Night Of. Teresa's father was hosting this year. Bring whatever you want to drink, he said. We don't keep that rock gut you favor. He laughed, and she heard her stepmother murmuring in the background. Ah, oh, she's fine, Teresa's father said. She knows I'm just kidding. In fact, Teresa couldn't fathom what rock gut he was referring to. She didn't like to drink and never had. She could choke down a glass of the red he favored, the color of an infected wound, bits swirling to the bottom, the cause of an immediate squinting headache, but other than that... Got it, she said through chuckles. She had learned over the years to give him the laughs he demanded. Don't be a priss, he'd say it to the devil himself. What, you don't like fart jokes? His feet sizzling in hell's lava. The night of, she stood in her slacks and red sweater. In her bedroom's full-length mirror, she looked like a framed photo of someone recently fired. Everything about her slouching forward, her forehead taking the lead, her chin retreating. She clawed at her hair, sucked in whatever she could. He was the kind of father who noticed things. She walked the five blocks over, crossing the busy intersection right as her feet became numb inside her cheap red pumps. At the store, they'd seemed festive, but at home, they were the wrong red. Bricky instead of bloody. They bit into her ankle. She was sure they'd already started to smell. She'd walked because the frigid air would give her a rosy freshness, or at least that's what the women's magazine she'd skimmed at the drugstore checkout claimed. She limped up his driveway, past her sister smoking a joint in the passenger seat of her own car. Her brother's shitty motorbike looked like it had been flung at the boxwoods. So they were all present. She rang the doorbell. "'What are you making me come all the way to the door for?' her father asked. He yanked her inside, using his body to push her over to the sofa. "'Sit, sit,' he said. The news blared over the holiday music. "'Eat that!' He was pointing down at the cheese ball, off-center on a platter with only a single spoon to adorn it. "'Eat it? Like with the spoon?' In the face of his directive, she never failed to sound like a tittery schoolgirl, nervousness bordering on flirtation, which was of course exactly what he expected of her. "'What, are you going to stick your elbow in it? In this house we eat with utensils!' It was useless to point out that a cheese ball was only half of the equation. He'd feel insulted, treat her request for a sleeve of Keebler Club, even a saltine, as the demands of, his most hateful insult, the hoity-toity. She heard the toilet in the hall bath flush. "'Here he is!' her father shouted, adjusting his belt, running a finger down his thick mustache. Her brother drifted out like he'd been asleep in the tub and forgotten what they were all there for. "'Oh, hey!' he said to Teresa. Her father rushed over to clap him on the back and shake his hand. Surely they'd done all this when her brother had arrived, but her father liked to treat her brother's entrances as separate, equally celebratable events. 
This one over here wanted to eat that cheese ball like a peach. I said to her, I don't know what kind of manners your mother taught you in that house. Then he clapped her brother on his back again and laughed his way out of the room. Her brother sat on the far end of the sofa. Where's Martha? She asked him. Right? He said back. He pulled his phone out of his pocket, looked at it with the pained look of a doctor receiving a difficult page, then slid it back in. He treated his phone like a shackle, something tethering him to a world that he endured and barely tolerated, when meanwhile Teresa's phone burned and burned, her purse a throb. Is she in the kitchen? Teresa asked. Oh yeah, probably, he said. They both watched the news, a story about a boy who'd stolen a bicycle. The newscasters were chatting about it, likely a segment some perky new producer had suggested, where all of them, even the weatherman, huddled up and talked about how a boy like that was destined for prison. Back in my day, the one with the square hairline said, his teeth gritted. Their sister came in, face half hidden in her scarf. I'm here, she said. I know, I saw you when I got here, Teresa said. She tried to keep her voice light. She'd been accused of being a buzzkill. Okay, Teresa, she said. You saw me. Kids, goddammit, their father yelled from the kitchen. We eating alone or what? Can we at least turn that off before we go in there, Teresa asked. She reached for the remote. I wouldn't, her brother said. He had the air of someone who was tight with the king, someone who would shrug at a beheading, maybe shuffle his feet if he was feeling bold, and it had been like that from day friggin' one. Teresa snapped off the TV. The rich sounds of a slurring crooner took over. Jingle bells, he sang. Jingle bells. Whatever, her sister and brother said in perfect unison. They filed past the Christmas tree, which leaned hard toward the bookshelf, top-heavy with Martha's insisted-upon wooden, lacquered, richly-colored, two-foot-tall crucifix. Teresa had once asked if Christmas wasn't the celebration of the birth of Christ, and Martha had repaired to her bedroom in tears. The next year, the crucified Jesus's crown of thorns seemed to have been replaced with a holly wreath. By the looks of the overflowing trash can in the kitchen, their father had ordered takeout from the ham stand. Look, Teresa said. She was a staunch vegetarian, but she saw containers for macaroni salad, cornbread muffins, and mashed potatoes with the word gravy slashed through. She was touched. Just don't, her sister said. And stop walking like the stick in your ass had a litter. Teresa looked at her brother. He looked back at her as if she'd said the vulgar thing. My shoes, Teresa said. Copy that, he said. Pot had a way of ramping her sister up rather than, as they said on the television, taking the edge off. It put the edge back on, ran it through a whetstone. Their father required constant vigilance. He was like a series of rugs hiding deep, jagged wells. You tiptoed, you watched closely, you stayed sharp. Therefore, Teresa could allow that her sister was only armoring herself. Still, though, I really hope, Teresa started to say, but they'd arrived at the dining room. Their father stood behind Martha, his hands on her shoulders. Silver serving dishes flashed in the candlelight, heaped with fried chicken and all the fixings. Each place setting had a wine glass, and each wine glass was full to its brim. A pudding-like coating of gravy had settled itself over the dunes of mashed potatoes. Her father's hot sauce in its customary juice glass, impaled by a leaning baby spoon she distinctly remembered slurping pureed banana off as a child. Teresa decided right then and there, her heart sinking into her stomach, her hands fisting at her sides, to remove her shoes once she'd seated herself. Kids, their father said. Thank you, they all replied. Her brother said it again and their father missed it over, Martha wincing under his grasp. You're welcome, son. He leaned to kiss Martha on the crown of her head, seemed to take in a long sniff. Jesus, her sister said, and to her credit, it was barely audible. Eat, their father commanded, before it gets cold. He sat at the head of the table, tucked his napkin into the collar of his shirt, held his fork and knife like skis as Martha made his plate. 
Teresa pretended to drop her napkin, knelt down, and released her feet from the torturous, inflamed, uvula-colored idiocies she'd spent $27.99 on, plus tax. She'd used a check, wanting to draw out the purchase as long as possible, giving herself ample opportunity to walk away, because $30 was a significant sum in her penny-pinching life, but they'd promised her confidence, mystery, allure. At the very least, they'd promised her the illusion of adulthood, Teresa, who at age 32 often wore saddle shoes. They went with everything for God's sake. These pumps would show them would show her father. Now they lay under the table like roadkill dropped from a helicopter. Is that blue cheese? Martha asked. Her head had an owl's grace, stopping and pivoting and blinking its bulging eyes. I smell blue cheese. It's Teresa's feet, her sister said, skimming wine from her glass with a soup spoon. She took her shoes off. Oh, for God's sakes, their father said. He ripped his napkin from his collar and tossed it to the floor, came around the table to see for himself. You're not a child anymore, Teresa Eunice. In fact, that had been exactly what she'd wanted the shoes to show them, to show all of them, that she wasn't a child, that her father couldn't peer closely at her chin and dash off to announce a visit from Pimplata, his nickname for her when she had a pimple. Nick have the kids tonight? she asked her sister. The answer was obvious, and Teresa had already known Nick would have her nephews, but she'd wanted to point out to her family that she wasn't the only disappointment at the table, that in fact her failures were much less significant. Duh, her sister said, slurping from her spoon. I mean, fucking duh, you nincompoop, you boob. People don't say that enough, their brother said. Boob. It's a good one. This gave their father the cover to get back to his seat, his piled plate now before him. Teresa poked at her mournful pile of macaroni. Some noodles were piping hot. Others were ice cold. And how is Jed doing in school these days? Martha asked. She held her fork before her, a peanut-sized morsel stabbed on its middle tine. Jedi, her sister said, not Jed. He hates school, says his teacher cries all the time. My goodness. He's in a lying phase right now, so who knows? Goodness. Martha beaked in her morsel. Nice to have just us, though, right? The brother said. Right, Dad? Like old times. If it were truly old times, their mother would be there, but Teresa felt mentioning that was going too far. Don't you worry about me, she'd said on the phone to Teresa just that afternoon. I have a life. I know where to go. Teresa hadn't been worrying. Holiday dinners with their mother were usually spent bent over TV trays, fast-forwarding through commercials, everyone avoiding the mention of work. Their mother could really get going about her job. Ten, twenty minutes would go by, their mother reciting a non-event about a spreadsheet or a vindictive co-worker, her mouth moving rapidly, her eyes unblinking. Where had she gone? How did she know where? Before I forget, their father said, shreds of chicken and dinner roll roving around in his open mouth like laundry. We're not doing gifts this year. By gifts, he meant money. They all counted on it, his generous checks preceded by his annual speech about how his father never gave him a dime and he was thankful for that because it made him self-sufficient, none of them understanding if the point of the speech was that it was good he could do what his father wouldn't or a warning to them to get it together to not spend $30 on shitty shoes. She'd counted his gift in with her finances when she'd finally passed the check across to the cashier. Are you sure, honey? The cashier asked. Teresa had nodded. It's okay, because I'll be coming into some money very soon. I just have to have these shoes. She'd been acting the part. Excited shopper, thrilled about a deal, her bunions zinging. Her sister laughed. What, you use it all to live it up at the ham stand? She picked up a drumstick and dropped it onto her plate. Look, it bounces. We cook this food, their father said. He looked at Martha, looked at all of them. Your stepmother and I. Every now and again, the old man would pull something like this. He'd lie and dare them to say he was lying. He still insisted he hadn't left their sister's wedding early, but they'd all watched him leave, Martha barely able to get her door closed before he peeled out of the parking lot. It was especially egregious because she'd had to dance the father-daughter dance with the man their mother brought as her date, who kept putting his hand on her ass and then looking around like, looky what I got. 
Teresa had gone to the event alone. The corsage at her shoulder gave her a mean rash on her jaw. On his way out, her father slurred into her ear that it was okay to be a lesbian. We saw the trash, her sister said. It's fine. I was just making a joke. You don't want to do gifts this year? You cook this food? We got it. We hear you. Ten four, Crapton. Hey, the music stopped, their brother said. What do we want? Santa Claus is coming to town. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Never mind. I'll figure it out. No, their father said, holding up his hand. You stay right there. Here we go, their sister said. She snorted into her wrist. Their mother was probably in her robe, checking the channels, not blinking. He seemed to hate their mother, as if her pathetic nothing of a life were an insult aimed directly at him like the remote in her hand. Teresa had a robe. She had a TV and a remote. She longed for them now. Dad, their brother said, but he had no follow-up. Martha worked the banana clip out of her hair, caught the fake curls she'd pinned in and laid them next to her napkin. She could be charming like that, or maybe the correct word was human. Something's not sitting right, she said. Might be the cream cheese from this morning. I'll tell you what's not sitting right, their father said. Oh yeah? her sister asked. She slapped the table, her plate jumping. What's Jedi's middle name? What's Sailor's birthday? She looked around the table, then landed on their father. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can tell me the answers. If you can't, then you owe me a thousand. The old man ripped out his napkin again. What year was I born? He threw the napkin to the floor. What day did I marry my beautiful bride? See? You don't know! Her sister was triumphant, baring her wine-purpled teeth. You want us to go around and beg you because that's what fatherhood is to you. She rubbed her eyes, appeared to lose steam. A transaction! She shrieked. Hey, hang on, their brother said. Dad, what's my girlfriend's name? Same wager. I'm off to bed, Martha announced, pushing back from the table. She left a small labradoodle of curls where it lay. She patted their father's head as she passed. Is there a single meal that Martha has made it to the end of, her sister asked. She was filling her plate, the food as it touched down, making obscene noises, sucking and slurping and plopping. Teresa began to giggle. She kicked her shoes further under the table, further away from her. Dad, she said. Is my name Teresa with a T or a T-H? Oh, for the love of, their father said. He wiped his mouth with his shirt sleeve, pushed angrily back, penguined into his adjoining office. It's a T, right? Their brother asked. Since when do you have a girlfriend? Their sister asked. Let me guess. She's a model. No, no. A prostitute, but she's really very innocent. Her name is Ashley, Teresa said, surprising herself. I wasn't asking either one of you, their brother said. He used the edge of his fork to scrape at his potatoes. Clean that plate or so help me, their father always said. Where's the saran in this hellhole, her sister asked, but she hadn't even gotten up to look. Teresa thought she could hear vomiting, but maybe it was the wind. Their father came back in, his hair wild. There, goddamn you! A happy Christmas to the lot of you! He dealt out the checks. Teresa's had a thumbprint of gravy across the routing number. Wow, Dad, their brother said. He stood and hugged the man, one arm akimbo at their father's shoulder. Like I said, I forgot your gift at home, but it's really good. You're going to love it. There's no need, their father said. He sat at Martha's place and set to work on her plate. That's our cue, her sister said. They all rose. Teresa hadn't hugged her father since the sixth grade. She was unclear whether the situation required a thank you or an I'm sorry. Happy holidays, she said. Their father waved his fork in the air. They were officially excused. Teresa followed her sister, who was holding a plate featuring half the food. A thigh tumbled off and Teresa kicked it under the bar cart. She'd forgotten her shoes. I need a ride, she said. A moment passed, the back of her sister's head with its achingly straight chestnut bob, the same since she was 14 years old, the sound of their brother's enormous jeans whip-whipping behind her, and she wasn't sure if she'd said it out loud at all. Martha was by the Christmas tree. Leaving so soon, she said. 
Aren't you relieved, her sister said. She held a hand up as she let herself out the door. I think that thing is too heavy for your tree, her brother said to Martha. No offense. If you want, I could get you a star or an angel since you like Christian shit, stuff. It'd be easy. Target is right there on my way to work. I like what I like, Martha said. She burped. Wow, yeah, yeah, okay, her brother said. He backed up, then he was out the door too. Well, anyway, Teresa said. Another year. You know, it hurts him to see you all. You look so much like her. Who? Martha straightened a tinsel poinsettia. He does his best. Yeah, yes, sure. The check felt like it was sparking there in her hip pocket. If she hurried, she could catch one of them, beg for a ride. Martha put a warm hand on Teresa's shoulder. I wouldn't cash that if I were you. They were both gone when Teresa made it outside, her brother and sister, who had to be reminded when it was one another's birthday that a normal thing to do would be to call. The neighbor's icicle lights were too bright and flashed too quickly, tacky in their muteness. So tacky. She began to walk. The ground was bitter cold under her feet. She wasn't so much like her mother. Even if she was, could she help it? A pebble knuckled into the soft meat of her foot. God damn it, you were who you were. It was like she was punishing herself, walking along the cold, gritty sidewalk, blithely shredding her feet. For what? So she could get used to it. She was good at that. It was utterly human to do that. To get used to things. That's the end. Thanks for listening. Bye.